Hey everyone, this is Flip It Finance. I'm Sam Ismore and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. Today is July 18th, 2023. And today we have a guest. Would you like to say hi, Santana? Hi. <laughs> nice to be here. Great. Thanks for joining us. Today we are covering Taylor Swift's impact on the economy. So everyone perk up there. And then also Santana is going to educate us on insurance. Uh, with that out of the way, kick the disclosure music. As always, none of this is investment advice and does not constitute an offer to buy or sell any securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, employer, financial advisors, or any affiliates. This is for educational purposes only. And things change, so we have no need to go back and revise any of this information. That applies for Santana as well. So, how's everyone doing today? Pretty good. Two, two thumbs up. Good. And Fabian, you're a fantastic husband from what I hear, right? Yes. I... I Okay, you're not even teeing this up yet, but I'm like more excited about this sh- this specific episode <laughs> than any episode we've ever done. If that tells you anything, what you're saying that the other ones haven't been just riveting and amazing. Th- those were lies. Comparatively, those were lies. Okay, you know what? I appreciate the honesty. But back to you and being an amazing husband. You sent your wife to Denver for the Taylor Swift show, right? You were slogging on the wait list or whatever it was, the queue, and you got the tickets, right? Yes. And and let me give you a little bit of backstory here. So I am also a huge Taylor Swift fan, right? So I am deeply immersed in the TSU, the Taylor Swift universe. Oh. Uh, I've been purchasing her vinyl for years from her website. So when it came time to get these tickets, I had early pre-sale access, right? Kristen didn't have the access, I had the access. And I, I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that I sent her there. I did none of that. I sat in front of a computer for eight hours to buy these tickets. And she and her friends organized this and paid for it all on their own, right? To go there. I was just the guy that stayed home with the baby. Uh, and a lot of the story. I'm trying to set you up here for a layup. <laughs> no, it just it, that makes me sound so old school. Okay, it's fine. That's right. We're a new millennial. There yeah. are no there are no gender roles here. Uh, it's a partnership. That's right. Um, but we were also in Denver too. So I think I was, as one does, perusing the Federal Reserve's uh, monthly beige report, which is a riveting read. And in there, so consumer spending is starting to come down a little bit, which is good. Um, inflation is still a little bit hot. We don't want consumer spending too much because that'll go into inflation. But it was noted that Taylor Swift's tour is actually impacting the cities that she's coming into. So I'm just going to read from their beige report, which is their monthly report they come out with. Despite the slowing recovery in tourism in the regional in the regional overall, one contact highlighted that May was the strongest month for hotel revenue in Philadelphia since the onset of the pandemic, in a large part to the influx of guests for the Taylor Swift concert. So that got me thinking: was how much is her tour actually generating from consumer spending standpoint? And it's going to be $4.6 billion is the estimate. Just her tour. The consumer spending from her tour will be in the billions of dollars. For context, 
the island, the country island of Fiji is the same size. So she's having a island impact in the economy. It's kind of blew me away. And you're just staring at me because you're befuddled. But like, it, it's it's so much money. It's it's actually unbelievable that one artist has this much control, not o- only over like a swath of the entire population of the country, but over the the economy. And when you think about the things that go into this, it's really kind of crazy, right? To your yeah. point, I just saw this firsthand. You've got plane tickets, Airbnbs, hotels, Ubers, restaurants, drinks, merchandise like so many things that are just like associated with being in the vicinity of where she's going to play. It's, it's actually, it's nutty. And then what would your guess be? And I didn't send this to you earlier because poor playing on my part, but what would you get your guess be for two shows in Denver for two nights? What do you think the economic impact estimate for two shows in Denver, Colorado is? Santana, go ahead. Santana knows. I said it's <laughs> I Santana. It. Okay, so, so you know. Okay. Yeah. So uh, $1 billion is 1,000 million, right? Yeah. Okay. So I would say, I'm trying to be too critical here, maybe $100 million? Just more. It's $140 million is her two shows uh, impact there. So for, for reference, as everyone know, as everyone has been listening, uh, Fabian had a, and I had a Great visit Red Rocks. Red Rocks top line revenue for 2022 was 60 million. And the ticket sale for Taylor's show, two shows, was 38 million. So she did more than half of a Red Rocks in two days. Pretty wild. I don't I so this is a like h- historical tour. Like this will never be. I don't even think that she can top this in, in the future. This will go down in history as the biggest tour that's ever happened. And I, I yeah. don't remember who had it before, but there was a while. And depending on how old you are, you may remember this, but you two did their like revolving stage thing. And that at the time was like that 18, 18 wheelers that were traveling every night to go to these different venues. And it was one of the biggest concerts that, you know, had ever been played. And, and now here we are in 2023 and Taylor Swift has just obliterated every record that will, you know, it, it will never be beat. So this is why I come to you for uh, music things because you're pretty close. But I actually knew this because I read an article, but Elton John's is the biggest tour ever. Duh. Um, followed by Ed Sheeran and then YouTube. So, but Taylor Swift's going to eclipse all those. And then the interesting thing too is Beyonce's tour is actually going on right now as well. And there was another note from Sweden actually that because of her tour being there, it's causing inflation in Sweden as well. So it was just said that um, Beyonce helped drive the jump in hotel rates. Uh, this meant she may have been the fourth by an unexpected strong uptick in recreation and cultural prices in Sweden. And her tour is expected to have an impact of $2 billion. So kind of wild, kind of wild how big. And I think it's like a part of it, we're still seeing the economy change and switch from, from COVID. We went and bought a bunch of crap in 2020 and 2021, and then we finally got back outside in 22. And in 23, everyone's got a job right now, and everyone's like, I'm going to the Taylor concert. I'm going to the Beyonce concert. I'm doing XYZ outside. So you're still seeing some of the inflation come through uh, in that. Uh, one quick note that even in cities that she's not playing in are finding ways to take advantage of this. When you look at 
shopping malls, right? There's a whole economy around the outfits that people are wearing to Taylor Swift. And a perfect example of this is a store called Altered State. And there's one here at the fashion mall. Are you a brand ambassador? No, I'm, I'm not. But uh, <laughs> if we start talking about pop culture on a finance podcast, I'm really going to open up. Um, okay. But Altered State <laughs> has been putting together these looks, right? These looks for the Taylor concert. And people are buying them up like crazy because they've, you know, in, invested their inventory in things like fringe and cowboy hats and things that would go along with the different eras of, of Taylor Swift. So it, it's it's really crazy how not just the cities in which she's playing, but the cities that are in the vicinity of like a drive or a flight that are also participating and getting a benefit from this as well. Santana, I need help. I, I'm, I'm out of my depth here. Are you aware of this? I'm, fl- I'm, I'm flipping it to you. I have no idea. Oh yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Walk into any store right now and okay. you're seeing just totally outfits geared towards attending the concerts. And gosh, even further than that, I just saw on Instagram the other day, there was some ice cream shop, no tour going on there. And they've changed like all of their ice cream flavors to different songs or albums of Taylor Swift. And the line is just wrapped around the building. Genius. Okay. So yeah, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is the economic impact of maybe more I, I, I bet it's hard to even put a true number on it because there are so many additional factors that are going into what's driving people's purchasing habits. And um, she, I okay. mean, she's iconic. So inflation is screwed because of Swiftonomics. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing. So that's not good. But so that much of an injection, Sam, you know, $4.6 billion into the economy. Like, what does, what does that do to, you know, how does that impact your job, so to speak? Uh, well, so I wouldn't really put it as injection into the economy, but it's just more consumer spending. So like mm-hmm. that, that's a great segue into how I think about things. It still shows how strong the consumer is. And when you're seeing inflation still coming down, but the the unemployment is still historical as you have 3.6%. Inflation is still coming down, but the Federal Reserve is keep saying that we need the economy to cool. We need inflation to come down. They have all the reasons. Um, that just means that we'll probably get a little bit more rate hikes unless Taylor can stop her tour. So that's that's my takeaway. Um, so you're, then, you're saying Taylor Swift is bad for America. Swiftonomics could be good and bad. So you know, two hands, two hand economists here. On the good hand, we're all having a great time. On the bad hand, you know, we're probably gonna get some more rate hikes because consumers still strong, still spending money uh, on that. But that's a part of why Santana's here today is to to help us with our insurance so we cannot be worried about these things. So that could be maybe a good segue, maybe a bad segue to why Santana is here beyond being a Swifty. And would you like to give yourself more of an introduction than uh, what I poorly gave you at the beginning? <laughs> no, I love it. I am a Swifty. Uh, I, I was going to add to, you know, with Taylor, I think her success is also driven from just the range of generations that she's impacting. Right. Like I remember listening to her first album being like 12 years old and and now seeing 12 year olds today being obsessed with her and eight year olds. So it's it's really cool to see what she's done. Um, and I will also be at the Beyonce concert this Saturday in Chicago. So I will okay. be playing the into this part, part of the problem. Of the problem. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I might I might just log off and let you guys talk about <laughs> the economy and music. That might be a better use of everyone's time, but this is my podcast, so I'm not going anywhere. Um, but enjoy, enjoy the Beyonce. Let us know how, uh, speaking of Chicago, Taylor Swift's, um, uh, performance in Chicago, that was the highest hotel 
occupancy rate ever in Chicago was when Taylor was in town. It was almost 97%. So it was an all-time wow. record. So another Swiftonomics there for you. There you let go. me know if Beyonce talks that. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, no, thanks for having me though, Sam. Uh, I guess my intro for myself is I'm the managing advisor over at Gibson. We're a Midwest-based uh, independent insurance firm focusing on uh, property and casualty insurance, employee benefits, and I oversee our private client group. So working with everyone's individual insurance needs that everyone loves to talk about so much because insurance is just such a fun topic. So I love what you did here. Bringing yeah. people in for the Swifty yeah. and they're leaving with some nuggets about insurance. Brilliant. Well, yeah, it's great. I mean, like, I mean, I've never seen Fabian this this engaged before. I thought we were great earlier, but this has really got him going. Uh, and part part of the reason why I think this is really important is we've talked about it before. It's like, what is a financial plan? And there's four areas that I think make the, the core part of it. One is investments that everyone likes talking about. And then there's cash flow and taxes, which everyone hates. And then there's estate planning, which everyone hates. And then there's your insurance, which everyone hates. So it's great. So like uh, the investments is fun, but then there's three things in your life that you can't really get out of. Uh, you can, but there's ramifications for that. And insurance is like a really easy one because insurance companies nowadays are just, they're hoping you auto renew. They hope that it's, it's effort. I don't want to go change this. I don't want to think about insurance. You know, what is, what is my property coverage? I don't even know. And they're hoping you just renew and they take that 10% hike or whatever it is. And the big reason why I wanted to talk to you, Santana, today was just reading up, being a boring finance guy, reading some of the Wall Street Journal, you're seeing that Allstate is raising their rates about 32% in specific states. Yeah. Oh, Fabian, Swiftonomics, we're all excited. But now insurance costs are going up 32%. That's in California. But then I've seen other rates going up just for auto. In different areas, so I'll yeah, give you I'm, the not, I'm not letting you blame Taylor Swift for insurance. <laughs> it's not her fault. It's not right a, now, it is not her fault. <laughs> it's not her fault. It, the, the fault, though, is like from COVID, people started driving faster with MTA roads, and then they they didn't stop driving faster when the roads turned back to you know seventy percent capacity or wherever they're at. So that's a function of it, but also it's just being more costly uh, to be in insurance, especially for a captive like Allstate. Do you know what a captive is, Fabian? Santana, you want to answer? You want me to take this one? Sure. (laughs) So a captive is going to be, you know, your states and your farms, anyone who, when you go directly to them, they've got one option for you and it's their product versus what my team does. We're an independent firm. So we work with a bunch of different carriers. So you've got multiple options when you uh, work with an independent broker that they can shop the rates for you. So... Yeah, the captive world, it's crazy right now. I mean, the industry is is as hard as it's been in, in decades. And it's its terrifying when you see the big nationals like the Allstates and the State Farms pulling out of places like California and Florida. Florida, yeah. Yeah, Florida's, my advice to everyone is do not buy property there right Rent. now. It's just stay away. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're, we're seeing crazy losses still, ramifications from the hurricanes and the wildfires going on in, in California to where, I mean, the cost is just, it continues to rise. And- we do panels with our carriers to say, you know, what does this look like? And what, what's your forecast truly really say about the, the state of the market? And I got some bad news to report, my friends. It's not looking any uh, brighter in the near future, which is, is not great. So, you know, what, what are those things that you can do to help reduce costs? There's a list of them. Um, and I, I think it's more important than ever that people are paying attention to what their program looks like and, and understand what their program covers. You know, there's, there's definitely ways to, to chop some price out of it without 
hurting yourself at the time of a loss to where you don't have the coverage you need. So, you know, and what I've learned a lot from being at Vallejo and working with um, great advisors like yourself is you, you don't want to be focused just on the bottom line. And by doing some insurance reviews over the last month, I've saved clients $1,000, $4,000, and $3,000. But that was just because their policies were out of line. But that's we're not just going for the lowest premiums, really. Um, in some cases, what I end up doing with clients is increasing um, deductibles, increasing coverages. So you're, you're getting better coverage, but you're not really lowering the price too much. So it's a, once again, going back to my bad joke of being a two-handed economist, um, it's all about trade-offs and it comes to insurance too. So with that, I'll flip back over to you, Santana. Yeah, no, increasing deductibles is a definitely a great option to help reduce some costs. Um, you can improve safety features in your home. So lots of carriers are providing great discounts when you've got a water shutoff device or you've got a new burglar system. And, you know, obviously it costs to install those things, but over a long-term period, you're looking at maybe five years where you've made your money back because you've saved on your insurance premium. So not only did you make your home safer, but you're making up for it on the back end. Um, you know, making your teen drivers have good grades. This, <laughs> my dad is probably laughing somewhere about this because I didn't help him too much early on when I got my license in this area. But you know, making sure they are carrying a 4.0, it does help with their uh, their car insurance rates, and it's not cheap to insure young drivers. So also make them Uber around for a few years. We won't we won't regret that. Um, Carriers offer great discounts when you're not driving too far, making sure your agent knows that, you know, your your vehicle doesn't leave the garage or the, the driveway too often. Uh, gosh, a lot of people don't realize that your credit report affects your insurance, that there is a credit factor that plays into this, into what kind of rates you're going to get. So you increase your, you know, your credit health, you're also going to help yourself out on the insurance. So there's all kinds of things that you can do to to bring down costs in the right way. Like I said, not jeopardizing your coverage, which I love that you point that out, Sam, because there are ways to do it. But it does take having someone who understands you and your lifestyle and what your risk tolerance is to even make sure that you've got the right plan in place. So, yeah. Again. Baby. Before, before we ramble too much, you have a question face. I've got a ton of questions. So how often should somebody be revisiting their policy, right? Like I think back to when we got our, our home policy was when we bought our home, right? 2014. And I, you know, outside of adding some things to a personal articles policy, I don't think that we've ever looked at it to update it and, and say, and now we're, we're in a position where we've increased square footage. To your Ooh. point, we've added some features that... Where he's sitting right now. Um, <laughs> you know, we've added some upgraded security features. We added two brand new sump pumps, right? That I think would probably fall into this category that you're talking about of spending a little bit of money to make it back over, over the course of a few years. So how often should I or somebody like me in my position who hasn't revisited their policy go back to look at that and then, you know, think about shopping it around? Yeah, great question. So I'd say, I mean, as far as reviewing it goes, you should have a conversation every year when you're making those changes. So if that addition you are sitting in right now hasn't been added to your policy, you might want to give your agent a call. Um, I, I would review it every year just to make sure that your policy still accurately re reflect what your needs are and, and where you might be subject for loss. As far as shopping the market, this, you know, there's some different um, schools of thought on this, but Ultimately, our recommendation is anywhere between that three to five year period is really a sweet spot to just get a gauge of what the market looks like. 
you don't want to be considered a shopper. So something else, people, the general public, because God bless the American education system who teaches us so much about insurance, uh, doesn't let us know is that when we you know do geometry, shop- though, <laughs> yeah, yes, we do know that um, when you shop your insurance every year, it actually dings your insurance score. So you look to the next carrier like you're a shopper. So their gut says that you're going to pay them for a little bit. They're probably going to pay out a claim or two on your behalf, and then you're going to leave and go somewhere else. So they might not make their money back. So that actually is a factor that goes into your rating overall. So really that three to five year period of just check out the market, see what it looks like. I would never advise a client to leave over a couple bucks. You know, you want to keep your longevity if you can, but it's, it's oftentimes that you see in that five-year window where you start to see, wow, there's, there's some red carpets being laid out by other options, and it's, it's definitely worth going down. Yeah, and kind of, kind of what happens with um, whoever you're with now, though, is you've probably just eaten the 10% raises and just have not thought about it, and there might just be another really competitive insurance company out there who's trying to get into this market who got out of Florida. So they have to rebalance right. their portfolios. So if they're leaving somewhere, they have to go somewhere else. So you never know when they're going to the market. Yeah. The, the hard part is Tim is the only person that always sends me a birthday card. That's how they get you. I can always rely on, if, if nothing else, if no That's, one else remembers, Tim knows. There's, and I get it like a few days before my birthday and I always look forward to it. There's can a I famous car it? salesman who would send cards and just said, I like you. <laughs> so keep that in mind. You're, you're being, psychology's working against it's, you. It's worked though, right? You yeah. do business with people you like. And if he legitimately is the only one that always has never forgotten my birthday. Yeah. I've never forgotten your birthday. That's a lie. Is it next week? <laughs> when is it again? <laughs> um, I'd love to dive into like the big things I see when I'm initially reviewing a, a client's insurance. And then Santana, please you're the expert on this. Tell me where you, your thoughts as well. I think the biggest thing is because auto insurance is going up right now, some people are going without it. So making sure you have proper uninsured motorist coverage, you know, even if it's worth like the little extra cost, I recommend people get it. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. It's a non-negotiable for us. The The reality is right now in our great state of Indiana, one in eight drivers are rolling around without coverage. It's a staggering amount of people out on the road who you're not protecting yourself against. If it's their fault and you get into an accident, you don't have that coverage. It's coming out of pocket. Oof. Yeah. I didn't even know that was an insurance that you could get. So basically you're oh, insuring God, the idiots. Oh, yeah. Welcome to insurance. There's insurance for insurance. There's also reinsurance which is insuring the insurance. So we get into that too, but that's not a personal thing, but there's tons of things like that. Um, the other thing you actually mentioned this one, water sewer backup, really great thing to have for the amount of cost. The coverage is really good. If you want to explain that. Yeah. So water is always a fun one. I think there's a misconception around what water backup coverage actually pays for if there's a loss. So a lot of people think, well, flooding, flooding is a whole different thing. So that's a separate policy. But water backup is, you know, you've got a ton of rain outside that comes in through those two uh, sump pumps that you have in that home, Fabian, and it backs up into your basement. And now your finished basement's ruined. You've got to pull out carpet or new flooring and your furniture's wrecked and whatever personal belongings you had down there um, get ruined. And so that coverage then comes into play. And if you have it on your policy for gosh, 
like Sam was saying, very, very inexpensive for what it covers. It's worth it. You're going to be happy you had it at that time of the loss. So you're not paying for that restoration company to come out out of pocket. That would be terrible. Do I have that? I have no idea. <laughs> I, okay. I, I legitimately, here's the thing that I don't like about our podcast, Sam, is that it points out all of the Whoa. blind spots in my life. Whoa. And I'm I hope sorry. That, and, and maybe the thing that I don't like is the thing that people love. It's just like, oh, shoot, I better I better go do that or I better go call my Look, person. We can do a pop culture version and I'll just be like, what what is Atlas thingy? What were you talking about I'm just about saying earlier? I'm ill-prepared, Sam. This oh, is not – I'm not okay. saying that this is a bad show. I'm saying I'm okay. ill-prepared and it makes me feel bad or anxious. <laughs> this is the good part of the podcast. Don't cut this. This is – the feelings are coming out. <laughs> I'm starting to make you feel anxious. You're in great shape financially and physically <laughs> and emotionally. The other thing I see a lot is um, too low deductibles. So when you have a low deductible, you're paying a higher cost for that benefit. And generally, I mean, I'm working with higher net worth people. Generally, they have a lot of cash on hand. And even they come in with like $1,000 deductibles. And it's like, get that, get that deductible. You're paying for a benefit uh, that you don't really need. Is that something you see, Santana? Yeah. Uh, I'd say that more times than not, that is where clients come in, in with low deductibles because okay. you know they're thinking out of pocket at the time of the loss. They want to be paying less. But the reality is most of the time, you're not even filing a claim when it's under mm -hmm. a certain threshold because, again, how insurance works, the ramifications of filing that claim then come back for you when the company tries to recoup their costs. So you're going to see that increase to your premiums, whereas maybe it was something you would have just rather paid out of pocket. Exactly. And, and another thing that's been a little bit slow, and now Fabian, this one was new to me. I didn't know to think about this one until I joined Vallejo, but MedPay. Have you ever heard of that one? You want to so know what we call MedPay? <laughs> what, what do you call it? We call MedPay hush money. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what ends up happening is, uh, let's say you're in a car accident and, oh no, my neck hurts. I have to go to the ambulance. And that you after you rear-ended somebody, that classic like, oh, no, my back. So MedPay is to help cover the deductible of another person, but really is kind of what Santana's talking about. This hush pay is like, go away, use your money, don't sue us. I'll let you elaborate, Santana. So that isn't like wrapped up in a normal like car insurance? Nope. So... Basically, liability will protect you if you get into an accident with someone else and you they got to go to the hospital. Your liability will kick in, but it's a lot harder to tap into that liability than it is to just give someone what you got in MedPay. And the MedPay is actually going to be for you and your passengers. So you're riding in a car with Sam when Sam rear ends us. Your neck is killing you. You need to go to the hospital. Sam's MedPay is going to also cover your medical expenses for you to go to the doctor without you having to sue your own friend and without you having to go to court to get the liability. To and, the, and the emotional trauma of this podcast. Right. <laughs> I could see this saving a lot of friendships. <laughs> and speaking of liability, the other one I see all the time is umbrella coverage being too low. And that's arguably probably the cheapest insurance you can get for the, the amount you can get. So you can go get a million dollar coverage for like maybe $200, maybe a little bit more depending on your situation, but it's, it's almost always cheap. And um, we're in a litigious world now, $200 a year, pretty good coverage. Would you expand on that, Stan? 
Yeah. So your umbrellas, for those out there who are not sure what that means, not what you're going outside with in the rain. So your umbrella is going to sit on top of your underlying limits on your home, auto, boat policies, whatever you have. And it's going to give you an extra layer of protection. And to Sam's point, you could easily get, if you're just a husband and a wife or in single individual, a million dollars for under $200 is, is very common in the pricing world. And to get that much protection for that cheap I mean, it's a no-brainer when you're looking at it from our perspective of what we see on the claims reports every week. It's well worth having. Is that $200 per year or per month? Year. Oh, okay. That's pretty yeah. cheap. Yeah. That's why I'm always like, this is this is no-brainer. The only time umbrellas get really more expensive than that is when you're extending it. So an umbrella typically sits on top of your auto is how an insurance company will, will underwrite it. But if you want your umbrella to extend to like a rental or a second home, then then there'll be a little bit more. But even then, you want it even more in those cases. Well, especially, again, cost is going to go up or is going to fluctuate depending on your home situation. So if you've got youthful operators in the house, you can expect to pay a bit more money because the company's covering what other stupid things your kids could do. Um, but those are the times where I think it's even most important to have it. Send your kid off to college and not have an umbrella policy in force and they do something stupid on campus one weekend and all of a sudden you've got an attorney knocking on your door because there's a suit ready to be filed. You're going to really wish you had paid a little extra to have that protection in force. Santana told me she was an angel in college, so yes. didn't need that umbrella. Didn't need to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the takeaways are, I would encourage you to work with an independent like Santana, but also at least be reviewing it. It takes it takes 15 minutes to pull the documents together and send it. But just like Fabian today, you got that that great new back porch. Make sure that's properly covered and. If you put money into your house to to make it better, that should be lowering your insurance costs as well. And also, insurance costs just like inflation are going to be going up. So being cognizant of that, and at the same time, bringing it back to Taylor Swift, helping save money on your insurance while still being properly covered, spring for those tickets after you save thousand, couple thousand on your insurance. Bam! Keep the problem going. I don't then, think that amount of money would cover the tickets. Look, shh. <laughs> and then Satana, we usually end with Fabian's burning questions. Oh, do we Ooh, have yeah. any burning, burning questions? questions. So, quiz me on pop culture. <laughs> Turn this around on me. We we can't, and we'll get to this in a second. I just want to hit on something real quick that Sam said. Mm -hmm. Santana, I want you to 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 take the answer for this. But Sam said, you know, he he's telling people to go review their policy. Great. Sounds like a great piece of advice. What the hell does that mean? Okay, I'm going <laughs> to review my policy. What am I looking for? So like generally speaking, rules of thumb, like Call what Santana. should people be looking out for at least yeah. to like know what they're looking at when they go to review their policy? Yeah, sure. So I, I'd say first... Talk to your risk advisor. So that's going to be your insurance agent. And if you haven't heard from them in 10 years, other than that birthday card in the mail, but they haven't checked in to make sure that your policies are accurate, probably still want to give them a call and have that conversation. Uh, but some just quick red flags, liability limits, um, recommendation from our end of the house is two, 250000 per person, 500000 per accident. So you're just looking for a line item on your policy that says bodily injury or liability. Water backup, looking for that on your policy. If you've got a basement in your home, you've got nice furnishings, you want to make sure are protected, check out that line item to see if it's there. Check out your home replacement cost. That dwelling limit that sits on your home policy, 
How much is your home covered for? Do you feel comfortable with that? Not what your home would sell for on the market, but what it would take to actually clear the rubble if you had a total loss and build your home back up. Knowing inflation's at an all-time high, do you feel like that number is appropriately going to protect you at that time? And then, gosh, the last one that I always talk about with clients is if you've got kids, you've got babysitters in your house, you've got people who help come and clean or do lawn care on your property, making sure you've got some type of protection on your policies for that as well. Because the last thing you want is a slip and fall accident from someone you've hired. You want someone coming at you with a lawsuit of a you know wrongful termination from someone who you just had in your home. It's never good. So have, have those conversations. It is, this stuff isn't common knowledge. So I'd say push back on your advisors and make sure they're bringing these conversations to the table. Awesome. Thank you for that. All right, Sam, burning question, pop culture. I'm just thinking of this on the spot. So, uh, and it sounds like you were doing your Taylor Swift research. So we're going to keep it on theme. So Taylor Swift has been re-recording her albums, right? Because she didn't go in the masters. Nope. Put your hands down, hands, pencils down, Sam. So she's released, I believe, and I want to get this right. So let me. Uh, it's fine. Um, what is what is the the most recent album that she has re-recorded and released? This just came out on July seventh. What was it? I have absolutely no idea. No, no clue. Zero clue. I'm all finance. Are, were bro. you even aware that she was re-recording? No, no, I knew that because that was really interesting because from an economic standpoint, she didn't own her own. So like when you go to Spotify, you see Taylor's version. Right. And I, as I, I ended up asking my fiance also, and I was like, what is, how is it not her version? She's like, oh, you idiot. <laughs> you know, she, she got the rights back to her songs. It's like, oh. Yeah. Arguably like, Taylor, one of the best albums. Okay, so you're a so you're a big Speak Now fan. I am a big Speak Now fan. I don't even know what you guys talk about. So that's the album she released, and uh, I, I just read this the other day that vinyl sales for this particular album reached seven hundred and fifty-one thousand units. That's insane. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Any other burning question, Santana? Do you have a burning question today? About anything. Anything finance related, this whole culture, pop culture thing. I want to know the best concert you guys have ever been to, but. Oh, I can. Oh God. We went, we went to it together, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. We went to Red Rocks. So I I have clients out in Denver. Fabian goes, oh, there's this, uh, I've always wanted to go to Red Rocks. Uh, Do you want to go? I'm like, check my calendar. Well, I'm out there anyway. Sure, man. I'll go. I like Red Rocks. It's, it's a fantastic concert venue. Who are we seeing, by the way? King Gizzard. And the lizard wizard. Yeah, that was my face. I was like, who the heck? And it ends up being like this, not metal, but like kind of like this rock jam band. That's not even right, but it was like Australian, this. Australian. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. What, what would you call it? Like I don't know, psychedelic rock jam band with yes. some heavy metal mixed in. Yes. Right? So it's like, think of yeah. if like Metallica and the Grateful Dead had a baby. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that okay. baby grew up going to like raves and there was some electronic <laughs> stuff going on. That yeah. would be King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Wow. They're incredible. Not what I expected to hear, but I'm Don't listen, going they're to battles, They're bad on Spotify. Like it's, you're like, what the hell am I listening to? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's a good place to, to wrap it up. As always, uh, we're taking questions. I've got three questions for us next week from, from, uh, from listeners, but subscribe, share, and rate the podcast. And Santana, thank you so much for tolerating my lack of, of organization, but also the banter today. You did great. Love it. Thanks for having me.